Welcome to Cool Exploration. I'm your host, Tony Peters. Today we're going to be having Dallas Block back on to give a bit of an update on Rock Solid, as well as uh, read Psalm 18, 1-2, and discuss this uh, as our key verse segment for today. And that verse uh, reads, I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of salvation, my stronghold. Welcome to Cool Explorations. I am your host, Tony Peters, and we are blessed to have Dallas Block back with us today from Rock Solid Refuge. Why don't you uh, just give us a brief update on Rock Solid and, and what's been going on since we last talked. Hey, Tony. It's great to be back with you. Thanks for having me on again. Um, so Rock Solid Refuge, again, you know, we continue to work with uh, young people, 13 to 18-year-old guys with life-controlling issues like uh, substance addiction, pornography addiction, um, suicidal ideation and depression and self-harm, those kinds of things are still really key issues. So even if there's some of these other addictions or challenges, um, some of those some of those mental health struggles are are pretty prominent for a lot of our guys. Um, and uh, you know since I was on the podcast last, um, We've had uh, quite a number of new intakes that have come in, and so our fall has been busy with with intakes. We've um, got more coming in or had more coming in over even the new year or since the new year. Um, one of the things that we've been really praying for is that God would provide staff uh, so that we can um, continue to take students in and really open up more beds. Uh, our our bed capacity is is more than our staff capacity is right now, and so we've been really praying for God's provision in that regard, and and God's been answering that prayer. There was a couple staff that came on right before Christmas, and there's been a couple more um, come on or coming on in the new year here. Um, I've been traveling quite a bit over the last several months, uh, visiting quite a few Bible schools actually. And uh, I've been really encouraged by the different interactions at the different Bible colleges that I've been at uh, uh, this this school year. Uh, so in, no, in November, I was at Prairie and uh, PRBI, Peace River Bible Institute. Um, and in the new year, I've been at uh, I've been at Miller. I've been at Nipawin Bible College. And I've also been at uh, Missions Fest in Winnipeg. And so just really good interaction at all of those places and people really interested in what we're doing. And uh, I think some really good leads as far as some staff um, coming and, um, um, and then regarding students uh, we've got really quite a, a stack of uh, on a waiting list. And so we're continuing to pray that God provides uh, the, the staff we need and the resources to bring in as many of those, uh, those applications as possible over the next few months. Yeah, it's always sad to see the the long list uh, of needs of people who are really in need of this. Um, but it's also it's also encouraging to see that you know God's bringing these people about that you can you can touch their lives and really work with them and help them. Uh, for not every every organization out there is using a God centered uh, focus uh, to try and help these youth. Yeah, absolutely. So. Why don't we get into uh, our key verse here, Psalm 18, 1 to 2. I'll just get you to, to briefly read that. I did read it in the intro, but just a little refresher here for our people. Um, and then just explain what it means uh, in its proper context, uh, as people tend to take verses out of context. <laughs> yeah, all right. Thank you. Um, 
So it says this, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Uh, so I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Um, you know, it's interesting, often when an organization looks to name themselves, um, Christian organizations specifically, maybe there's a verse that catches your attention and you go, hey, there's our name. It's in this verse. Um, for us, it was actually the opposite. Um, we wrestled with a name for Rock Solid uh, way back in 2005 and uh, like Rock Solid, Rock Solid Refuge. And then at some point in, um, in, in my reading, I came across Psalm 18 verse 2 and I'm like, that's it. That's our theme verse. Um, and it just so pointedly points to the reason why we even named this organization Rock Solid Refuge. Um, and so in its proper context, so in the English Standard Version, it gives just a, a bit of a, an introduction um, paragraph to uh, or sentence to the context of this psalm being written. So it says, to the choir master, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, uh, who addressed the words of this song to the Lord on the day when the Lord rescued him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And then he said, and, and, it, and it goes on. And so in this context, um, David has had significant opposition. In fact, he's had opposition from uh, someone whom he has served, in fact, served faithfully, which was King Saul. Um, the next couple verses even go on to say, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and I am saved from my enemies. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. Um, and when we look at a psalm like this or a passage of scripture, you know, there's always a very specific context and a very specific um, um, reason that it was written. But so often the application is actually much broader than, than even that specific. So David experienced God's rescue from his enemies. And he experienced it in the context where, as far as he knew, he was as good as dead. Um, there was no hope for himself um, in, in many regards. Yet, he looked to the Lord. Um, he called upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. And he was saved from his enemies. And when we think about the realities of what we work with at Rock Solid Refuge, uh, the, the, the depths and the, str the stronghold that uh, an addiction can have, uh, the power that an addiction can have over a person. It's, it's as if an enemy has encompassed around somebody um, and is relentless to, to not let them go. Um, and, and they're really in this kind of position. Um, and the, the most foundational hope that anybody can really have is to call upon the Lord. Um, in the Psalm, David goes on to, to say a, a lot of things about even the power of God and the power that God has over all of his creation. You know, verse 13 says, the Lord also thundered in the heavens and the most high uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire. And he sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashes forth lightnings and routed them. And so, and so King David, this is not actually a short Psalm. There's, there's actually, um, there's actually a lot to this psalm, eight, uh, 50 verses, which is in some sense is one of the longer psalms. Um, and so uh, there's just there's a lot in here as to why God, uh, David looks to the Lord um, 
for his help and his salvation. And, and throughout the psalm, uh, in the English, when it's written in English, the word Lord in this psalm is all capital letters, L-O-R-D, all capitals, which, which is uh, specific to Yahweh. This is not just, you know, Lord in a, in a, in a small sense. This is the, the God of the universe who has made all things. And so David is looking to God in that context. The God who has made everything and who, who owns everything, who oversees everything, who is sovereign over thing, everything. And so in, in the proper context of this passage, um, David recognizes himself as the creature and God as the creator. He's the one um, who sees God as giving life and breath and everything. So that's, that's even as Paul the Apostle acknowledges that in Acts chapter 17, when he's in Athens and he's trying to help the people of, of Athens understand who is this God that he's proclaiming. And Paul references this God who, who gives life to, to us all. Um, and David, in, this, in a similar way, really looks to God for his everything. Um, and, and I think the thing that, that I think has to stand out to us in these particular verses as, as David begins this, uh, this psalm, um, he actually begins with the, I would say, some of the most precious words you could ever begin a song with, which is, I love you. Um, one of our more recent staff members, um, his name's Carl, and, and um, he's actually worked with operations mobilization, operation mobilization for about 30 years. He's traveled all around the world. And um, I asked him this question. We had a staff day recently, and I asked him this question at the staff day because um, we went over this first, these verses, actually. I said, Carl, you've been around a lot of places. You've been around the world. You've seen a lot of different religions and a lot of different religious systems. Is there another religion where the context in that religious system is a love relationship with the deity that they proclaim or the deity that they believe in? And, um, and, and, and generally speaking, no, no, the answer is no. Um, and so David, in his, in his writing um, and in his proclamation, he declares his love for God, his love for the Lord. Uh, this is this is not normal in other religious systems. Uh, David says, "I love you, O Lord, my strength," and he recognizes that there's a love relationship between him and the Lord. Uh, this is this is this makes Christianity stand out amongst the other religious systems. Um, and then he goes on again. You know, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock. And so David recognizes that every single one of us, we have, we have a basis for our life. There's a foundation for our life. Um, and off of that foundation, we live our lives. We not only live our lives off of that foundation, but it's also the foundation from which we worship. And so arguably, as humans, we all worship something. There's not any of us that doesn't worship something. Now, some would say, well, no, I don't worship anything. Um, well, what do you put your hope in? What do you trust most in? That's that's who or what you worship ultimately. And so David declares that the, the foundation of his life is this God that he cries out to. And he, he sees and he recognizes there is nothing he needs more 
than God. And God is all things to him and everything flows from him in that regard. Um, I think also, uh, I, I don't know, do you want to interject a little bit, Tony, in, well, in some of those things? I, I love the the love aspect because uh, Jesus so much is always preaching on the love of the Father and the love that it took. Uh, we see that reflected even when Jesus sacrificed himself for us uh, and that the Father allowed his Son to be that sacrifice for us, that blood sacrifice needed to cleanse us of our sins. That took great love. That took a great depth of love. And we see with David, uh, like you say, he was a faithful servant of Saul. Jonathan, Saul's son, was was his best friend uh, it, it, that he had in, in the whole world. And he was just so faithful. And he felt very trapped because he couldn't, with Jewish tradition, he could not harm the king. We saw that when he only cut a piece of the, the king's robe in, in the, the, the tunnel or the cave when he could have killed him. He couldn't actually kill him and keep his life. So he felt trapped because he's being hunted down by this guy that he actually can't harm. He he shouldn't be killing him. And that's why he he's like, okay, God, I have to turn to you. I have to rely on you. You're the only one I can turn to. And that's where we see it being like, okay, God, you are my rock. You are my strength. Like I have no one else in the world to turn to. And with so many Christians, uh, we often feel that way. And people with mental health struggles, especially feel that way that there's no one we can turn to, but we have God, we have God that we can turn to. And he's the one that we can put our hope in and, and our faith in, uh, and we can get that healing from God because God does want to help us and through prayer and Bible reading and, and attending church and uh, finding groups like rock solid or teen talent, teen challenge that can help get that um, place of, of refuge where they can go and they can get some spiritual guidance as well as healing from what they're struggling with. And then you bring up things that people worship. And I think we saw a perfect example of that with the Super Bowl this weekend with the riots afterwards. It's like, okay, if a sport is so important to you that you're willing to riot and destroy things and be tear gassed by police over it, it's become an idol. It's become yeah. something you worship. And yeah. money is the same thing with, with many people. Drugs is the same. Um, pornography is the same. And it does, it takes hold of you. Uh, so uh, I, I was happy to hear you bring in that, th those things, because they really do reflect our society today and the desperate hope uh, and desperate need that our society has for something, for, for something. And everybody wants something that's going to fill them with joy. And yet they look for earthly things and it just falls flat. Yeah. It falls empty. Yeah. But if you turn to God, it's not an empty hope. Yeah. He will fill you with yeah. hope and love. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that reminds me, I'm just going to grab a, a book that I have sitting right here. Um, I often reference this book, and um, it's, it's called Addictions, A Banquet in the Grave, Finding Hope 
in the power of the gospel uh, by Ed Welch. And in his introduction, he, uh, he says this, and this is regarding um, the context of, of worship. The basic theology of addictions is that the root problem goes deeper than our genetic makeup. Addictions is ultimately a disorder of worship. Will we worship ourselves and our own desires or will we worship the true God? Through this lens, all of scripture comes alive for the addict. No longer are there just a few proof texts about drunkenness. Instead, since all scripture addresses our fundamental disorder of worship, all scripture is rich with application for the addict. And, and so I often reference that book when I, when I speak in places because um, if we don't bring it down to a fundamental um, concept of, of worship, which is what is at the foundation of our lives, um, then what we build our lives off of then will be will be shifting sand, um, which which really refers then to a parable that Jesus uh, that Jesus stated, and this is from Matthew chapter yeah. seven, and this, this is a well known parable. Uh, Matthew seven verses twenty four to twenty seven says this. Every one then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and the and great was the fall of it. Um, and so um, what is at the actual core and foundation of our lives really determines so much of our lives. And in that parable, it's it's really evident. It gets, it's, it's actually quite obvious that the rains are going to come. The storms are going to come. Um, you don't have to live for very long and some people less, less than others before a very significant storm comes and, and really tests our faith. Right. For David, his uh, his friend's father, the king who he served, which we've already referenced, came after him. And um, what was his life going to be founded on? Would he feel betrayed by God and abandoned God because now Saul, who he had served, had become his enemy? No, actually, he turned to God more intensely. And that and that's really what I think Jesus is, is referencing. And then you can just catalog through all of scripture as to the examples of those who did, did it one way and those who did it the other way. Right. So not only King David and King Saul, who, who are opposites in that, um, but we've got Cain and Abel. We've got, um, we've got Abraham. We've even got Lot who did it well at times, but not as well at times. We've got, um, um, so many examples of those who who either followed God faithfully um, and, uh, you know, even the Apostle Paul, who thought he was on the rock, the right <laughs> foundation and got knocked off his horse and found out, no, actually, my foundation was totally wrong. And I'm so encouraged by the example of Paul, because in Philippians chapter three, Paul says, actually, I count everything that I had before as rubbish it's actually just garbage and he had a lot he had fame he had power he had position he would have had money i'm sure he had it made um and he just said no it's actually all garbage compared to the value of knowing christ jesus his lord 
And, and that really is what King David is putting forward here. Um, and, um, and I think, you know, another aspect of this, any time that we look at King David and, and, a, and a passage like this, um, and again, David served faithfully, yet he was, he was sought after even to, to, to be killed. Um, but David is kind of a precursor of Christ in this way, in a sense. Um, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life for a ransom. And, and Jesus actually went all the way and actually gave his life as a ransom. Yeah. David put his life forward as a ransom in, in some senses, but Jesus went all the way and his life was taken. Um, he, he, his life was not taken from him, however, but he gave it up willingly, right? And so yeah. Jesus willingly went all the way for us. And, um, and so um, even as Jesus hung on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yet at the same time, God had not ultimately abandoned him and rose him from the dead, um, which is what our faith is ultimately founded on is Christ's life, death, burial, yeah. resurrection. And he finished it with with the words to tell us die or it is finished like like such a powerful statement that Jesus just ends his his earthly life with and uh really begins uh our heavenly life with with Jesus Christ and and the way that we can know him uh he he finished one chapter and began a new chapter for us, which is just uh, so symbolic of baptism for for a, a Christian believer. You're giving up your your old life and and coming up new, uh, a new believer in Christ, and letting letting God reshape you into what He wants you instead of what you've been you've been doing with your life, which is which is where it leads into addiction and it leads into so many different ways that people end up ruining their lives and they find so much. Um, unhappiness just because they keep trying to do things on their own they keep trying to do things their way and david is referred to as a man after god's own heart and he's referred to that for a very good reason uh, and it's not because david was was not sinful i mean the man created <laughs> had some really terrible sins that that one would think oh you know you can't come back from that but he repented of those sins and yeah. he always turned back to god and was like God, I messed up so bad. Like, you gotta forgive me. Uh, come back to me. Uh, I love you, Lord. Uh, like, yeah. come back to me and let me come back to you. And uh, God always took him back. And that's just a symbol of of the loving God we have. That if we have that repentant heart, yeah. And and we turn to Jesus Christ. We turn to to God our Father for for forgiveness. He will forgive us every time. And he will take us back into his loving yeah. hands. And, and I yeah. think that that comes really into, into why this verse is important to us as Christians. It's that message that, that we have that hope. Yeah. We have a God who, who won't turn his back on us. He'll never forget us. He'll always remember us. And uh, people, when they read remember in the Old Testament, like God remembered his people or God remembered his servant. It, they take they take kind of take that out of context because the the meaning of remember gets lost in translation. Mm -hmm. It's not saying that God ever forgot. Yeah, it's just saying that God was like, okay, yes, I made this promise, I made this covenant, I'm going to keep it. Yeah, I didn't turn my back on you. You yeah. turned your back on me, but I did not turn my back on you. Yeah, 
And I think that that's something that uh, people who are living a life of addiction or mental illness or a life where they, they just feel hopeless, that's the hope that they can turn to. That's what they can turn to is Jesus is there to forgive. God never forsakes us. He always remembers his promise and his covenant with us and never did he fail on any of his promises in the Bible. Thank you for listening to Cool Explorations. You've just heard Dallas Block and I discuss Rock Solid Refuge and uh, how Psalm 18, 1-2 has been a key verse for uh, Rock Solid Refuge as uh, well as really are they are key verses for, for us as Christians and we've learned how to apply them to our lives. If you would like to reach me for any reason, you can do so at tpeters745 at gmail.com.